This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Boston Loose Baseball, Episode 2. Grant Paulson, Danny Ruye with you. Producer Darris has a previous obligation. He will be back at it with us very, very soon. Who knows? Maybe he'll waddle through the door while we're talking. Hard to say. Point. Hard to say at this point, but he, we were getting ready to start the show, and he was like, I got to go. And we were like, okay, Grant and I'll do it. He said, kick rocks, you two fatos. Yeah, I don't like you. Uh, here's the deal. Today, we got a great guest. We're really excited about Cole Henry, who is one of the top pitching prospects for the Nationals. Cole Henry's been my guy since he was at LSU before the draft. Uh, he is a strike thrower, and he's a guy who you're going to earn it when you face him. He's got a .57 ERA, 20 strikeouts in 15 innings in his first five minor league starts. The one knock has been health. The one issue has been keeping him on the grass. They had to shut him down last year. But he's 22 years old. He's in double A. He's having the best year of any arm in the minors so far for the Nationals, even though they're treating him with kid gloves. They're basically giving him like three innings at a time here to keep him healthy. But if he gets to the major league rotation in the next year or so on the calendar, I, I think he's going to be a, a number two, number three type starter for them. So I'm pumped to talk to him. He told some great stories about his time in the minor leagues and, and basically outed a few of his buddies for some embarrassing moments. Super funny stuff. Nothing nothing inflammatory, nothing that's going to get anybody into trouble, but uh, you know, maybe a ribbing or two on a bus trip coming up. But uh, a, a, an intriguing prospect. Not a guy that was a headliner to kind of start a couple years ago, but had a great college career playing major D1 college ball at LSU and has a, you know, all he's done is ripped through the minor leagues at this point. He's been close to unhittable. You kind of mentioned some of those stats. There's no one pitch that I don't think that's so unbelievably dominant that he pitches off of, but the mix is there. Solid fastball, curveball, changeup combination. Uh, I, I love the way he described how his stuff is and, and goes and the challenge it poses to hitters. Think of Max Scherzer, right? I've, I've said I'm not saying Cole Henry's Max Scherzer, but think of Max Scherzer. Every pitch looks the exact same out of his hand. Clinton Kershaw has the same ability. There's some guys that you could tell a bit sooner. Their stuff is nasty. You're trying to tunnel those pitches. As a hitter, the guys that you can pick up and see and that you rake on, the fastball, the slider, the change, it's all coming from a different place or arm yeah. speeds. You can pick it up whether you know it or not. You can see the wrap on some guy's curveball where their arm is turned to the side and their fingers are on top. You can see the push sometimes on a changeup if it's back in the hand. You can't with him, and the hitters tell you that, right? There's a It's an uncomfortable at bat against Cole Henrik, an exciting prospect. It's one thing if you're in a low level of A ball, like at Fredericksburg, or you're at A-plus ball or something in Wilmington as a former college star in the SEC. And you're just shoving it up people's, you know what? Yeah, you're beating eighteen year olds. You're beating, exactly. you know, kids from all over the world. Yeah. When you do it in Double A, you can do it in the big leagues. Now, it, it's not a one to one, obviously, but it means you've got the stuff, you've got the ability. Now it's about honing it in and being consistent. So we will talk with him on this pod today. Uh, for the record, this is going to be a prospect heavy podcast in the future. To be honest, I mean, we're going to talk a lot about the Nationals and the big leagues, but as often as possible, we're going to catch up with their top players, their household names, and the minors. 
talk to people in the organization about some of those players because that's the mode we're in now as Nats fans. I mean, there was a decade or so where the getting was good and we were watching big league games and they were winning two out of every three or so and they were making the playoffs and winning NLE's titles or being a tough out as a wild card team. But the rebuild is on as we're seeing at the big league level. They're now losing two-thirds of their games. And so you kind of turn your attention back to some of the prospects. Just a quick update as far as the top of the board. I mentioned Cole Henry on the show today. He's number three on MLB Pipeline's rankings behind Cade Cavalli and Brady House and right ahead of Jackson Rutledge. As far as the season so far, Cade Cavalli, who's the top prospect, almost made the rotation if not for a blow-up start at the end of spring training. Hasn't gone as well as you'd like in Rochester. It's been up and down with, with some pretty dramatic downs this season. In no way am I down on him. In no way am I worried about him. The stuff's really good. But he's walked 11 in 22 innings. That's four and a half per nine. That's too many. He's given up about a hit per inning, which is where you'd like to be as a really good starter. But his average against is 260. This is after last year it was 213. Uh, so he's being tested. He, he's struggling a little bit. And we're going to see how you come out of this. I, I love when this happens in the minor leagues, frankly. Because you learn a lesson and you have to adjust, and it's better to do that in the minors with a couple thousand people watching and no one watching on TV than in front of 30,000 people in the crowd and and tens of thousands of people watching at home. But so far this year, just the 19 Ks in 22 innings, just kind of a a very normal uh, minor league performance, not, oh my gosh, this guy's leading the minor leagues in every category. So uh, not to start, I'm sure he would have wanted, but... I like that this is happening now because I think he comes out of this, starts pitching well, and maybe in you know four to six weeks you call him up on the other side of this. I, I love what you said there. It's it is good. A, it's good that it's happening now because this game will humble you. No matter if you're the one of the greats of all time, uh, no matter if you're you know a, a guy trying to crack a big league roster, or you're down in single A or rookie ball, or you know a, a midweek uh, once a week high school player, the, the game will find a way to make you look bad at, at certain points. And the lessons, they're always these forks in the road. They're always moments in everybody's career where you experience that adversity and your adjustment, you're getting over that, is paramount to you sticking in the big leagues, to you becoming an all-star, to you you know, fulfilling the type of promise that you may have. And right now, Cavalli's going through that. I mean, last year, this is a guy that led the minor leagues with 175 strikeouts and 123 and a third innings. That's not happening this year. And I love what you said about it. It maybe slows down the the, the the race, the clock on certain guys. Mike Grizzle likes to say this all the time. That it isn't a race in terms of your development and your career. Everybody's got their own clock and their own pace. And, you know, some of these guys, the Juan Sotos of the world, the Bryce Harpers of the world, the, you know, I'm trying to think of a, of a good 19, 20-year-old pitcher that's walked right in the major leagues and had success. Those guys kind of spoil the eye line. This is far more typical. You know, a guy that's in his mid-20s coming up finally cracking the big league roster. The, the idea of a 20-year-old, the Ronald Acuna's, uh, the, the Juan Soto's, stepping in and, and being all-stars, that's great and it's awesome and you you celebrate that, but it also kind of ruins it for everybody else. Like, is Brady House a disappointment if he's not hitting third in a major league lineup at the, by the time he's 19 years old? Of course not. That's not the way these things normally go. And Kate Cavalli still is a guy that has a very bright future, Fastball touches 100, usually sits 96-97. He will get outs at the major league level. I thought he was going to be up back in spring training. I thought he'd be up maybe in June. I think that timeline may be pushed back a little bit because of what he's going through now, and they're probably going, nice, we're glad he's kind of going through this. Let him overcome this and be that much more ready for big league uh, service time. He's 23 years old. He's 6'4 and 240. He was the 22nd pick in the 2020 draft less than two years ago, right? So... I mean, Reed Detmers was in that draft through a no-hitter mm-hmm. last night for the L.A. Angels. But as a general rule, 
And when you're drafted in 20, you're not in the big leagues yet in 2022, two years later. As far as the stuff goes, some of you saw him in spring training. Danny mentioned it. He's 96-97 with his heater. He was the one guy that touched 100 miles an hour three times at the Futures game last year, more than anybody else. Hardest thrower in that game with all the top prospects in the building. And I was there watching him, and it was uh, you know really, really impressive and cool uh, to take in. But he's got the size. He's got the velocity. He's got a mid-80s curveball that's really good, an upper 80s slider. Uh, he's got some sync on his changeup that gets swings and misses in the upper 80s as well. As far as scouting grades on those pitches go, I mean, MLB Pipeline's got him. And, and 2080s, what we'll use on this show, 50s average. 60 is above average. 70 is considered plus or elite. 80 is considered top of the charts. The other direction, 20 is horrendous. Uh, 30 means you're really bad at it, whatever that tool is. 40 is below average. And, uh, you know, 45 is, is fringe average. And then 50 would be average. But his fastball is considered 70, his curveball is 60, his slider is 60, his change is 55. Uh, the, the one thing he's got to keep working on is the control. The control, Because yep. that's the one non-average or better big league graded part of the makeup, according to MLB Pipeline right now. But he's got a really good chance, obviously, to not only be in the rotation this year, but to be a horse in the front of this rotation for years to come. Brady House, who's unequivocally the best bat in the system, is in Fredericksburg. Uh, he's got an undisclosed injury right now. Still haven't really gotten any details on what's going on. But he's been out for a little over a week and a half. And uh, we're waiting on him to come back. He got off to a great start. I mean, he was the 11th pick in the draft last year, last summer, uh, during All-Star Weekend for the Nationals, just outside of the top 10. Shouldn't have been available and was. Kind of fell into their lap. This guy's got massive power. You know, Decent hit tool. He's going to be a 280-type hitter with a bunch of home runs. Played shortstop as an amateur has played shortstop so far. They're, they haven't moved him off the position. I think ultimately, just as he fills out and gets bigger, he's 6'4 and, and about 215 to 210, depending on you know when you're at a game and, and what he ate that day. But that's the frame that often moves to third. Not to mention you got that kind of power. You're going to have that type of presence at the plate. You know, I could totally see him going to third. He's got a big-time arm. Cannon for an arm, yeah. He threw 96 off a mound at one point. So, I mean, his arm is graded out as a... Uh, as a 60 tool. In fact, I was talking about the, the grades a minute ago from Pipeline on Cavalli. They've got him as 60 power, 60 arm, and everything else is 50 or better. So you can make the case he's kind of a five tool type player. But the start he got off to was exhilarating. He was hitting 330 with a 400 on base and a 450 slug. He had an 850 OPS early this season. He was tearing the cover off the ball. And he's probably due for a promotion to A plus as an 18 year old, you know, right around when he got hurt. So. It's. I'm waiting to hear what it is. Hopefully mm -hmm. he's back on the field by the time people are listening to this in the next day or two. But uh, for the time being, we're just kind of trying to figure out what's going on with him. So at the plate, obviously, slightly different body. You kind of touched on it. I think long-term, he's a third baseman. Um, but at the plate, his actions remind me a lot of Ian Desmond. Very upright, very athletic, quick as all heck in there. And there's going to be some swing and miss. There'll be some slump in his game. But the power is light tower stuff. He can really drive the ball when he squares it up. And he tries to simplify. And, uh, you know, that would be kind of a win, I would say. Not even kind of. That'd be a win for the Nationals if you get that kind of offensive profile that Desmond provided uh, coming up to the major leagues. Doesn't run as well as Desmond did. Um, but similar tools otherwise in terms of the arm and, and, and the pop uh, that he shows at the plate just in terms of his actions. But I'm with you. I think long-term third baseman. Um, but... It's interesting they're keeping him at short now, I think, to kind of continue to build quicks, build athleticism, and and sort of enhance and hone those tools. There's no rush to move him over. It's easier to convert from short to third. Um, you know, I, I did that at the amateur level, obviously, in, in college. 
than to go the other way. So they're kind of letting him be the captain of the infield, letting him be the big dog at the, at the lower levels until maybe a, a position switch down the line. But, uh, yeah, a, a, an intriguing dude at the size, man. 6'4", 215. He's on the all-get-off-the-bus team. It, it looks exactly right when he steps out there. He looks like a man among those kids. So we mentioned Brady House was their first-rounder in 2021, right? And you had Cade Cavalli was their first-rounder in 20. Their second-rounder right after him at LSU was Cole Henry, who's on the pod today, who I love. Their first rounder in 2019 was Jackson Rutledge, and, and kudos to the Nats at least hitting on some of these first rounders or giving themselves a chance to. Those are the top four prospects in the system at this moment, according to uh, MLB's rankings. But Rutledge is 23 now. Now he's been the guy that I would say of the bunch, based on health and stuff, has been disappointing. They still are very high on him. I think he's going to be a reliever. I think he throws gas, and he's got a really good slider. I'm not sure how much else is there. He's in the sense that Josiah Gray is fastball, curveball, slider with barely a changeup. Mm-hmm. Like that's more of what uh, Rutledge is, but it's not as good. It's not as refined, I should say. Good's the wrong word, but it. it so I, I don't know that I even like the comp to Gray, other than just those are the the three primary pitches or best pitches. Um, but at 23, he didn't start the year healthy, and he wasn't on the field until this week. He actually about a week ago today made his first start. For Fredericksburg, he pitched three innings and gave up like seven hits and five run runs. He got victimized by a homer. So he's only thrown the one time this season, um, but he was a junior college arm. If you haven't seen him, this guy's massive. He's 6'8", six, six, eight. Eight, dude. He's 250 pounds. I mean, it's hard, I think, to repeat the delivery sometimes at that size. You think about some of the biggest guys. The Nats one time had a, a guy named Alex Meyer. Who they traded one, for yeah. Denard I was thinking Spann. John Rauch, but same thing. Yeah, Rauch. I mean, you could rattle off a bunch of guys that are six eight, six nine. Yeah, Jeff Neiman back in the day from the Rays. But I'm just thinking about specifically like guys at that size who mm-hmm. sometimes had a hard time repeating the delivery. So I think he ends up honestly in the pen. Um, but there's no reason to do that now. I mean, he's 24 appearances in the minors, 2019, 2021. 20, obviously, 20 he was shut down like everyone else. No minor league games because of COVID. And then the start this year, they've all been in the rotation. They're going to give him a chance to to try to. Lengthen that repertoire. There's no reason to rush this guy. Maybe he gets a cup of coffee at the end of the year, blowing gas out of the pen, and is competing in the spring. Best case scenario, though, I would say, Danny, is that you fast forward a few years from now, and you've, if it works out, as unrealistic as it is, you've got Josiah Gray in the rotation with Cavalli at the front, with Cole Henry somewhere in there in the middle, with Josiah, with uh, Josiah, and possibly. Jackson Rutledge, and, and if you know Corbin is either still on the team or Strasburg, like one of those guys, mm-hmm. maybe you sign one player, and all of a sudden you're you're in pretty good shape in your rotation with a homegrown rotation. Maybe, yeah. maybe Joe Nadal, you know, who's flashed. Yeah, he's just 22. He's in the major leagues. He's shown some decent things. So they've got the at least a starter kit to getting where they need to go. Now you need Cavalli. Henry, Rutledge, you need those guys to develop. Yeah, the core of what this Nats run was was homegrown stuff, and then they'd supplement it with, I don't know, guys like uh, Patrick Corbin or some dude named Max Scherzer uh, who really enhanced that rotation. But yeah, that that certainly is the plan. I think, and listen, this isn't exclusive to the Nationals. This isn't exclusive to Jackson Rutledge. But I think 2020, him being shut down was really extra bad for him, right? Everyone had to deal with it. And those that weird year, that alternate site stuff, because we lost that year of development for a guy that really needed some some innings and experience, given his college career where he started Arkansas, then transferred to a junior college, uh, was dominant there, and just showed all kinds of stuff, which is why the Nats drafted him in the uh, right, right in the middle of the first round. But 
not having 2020 and then 21 being shoulder blister, a million things, instead of a hundred plus innings of the ups and the downs and getting the ball every fifth day and all the rehab and all the normal stuff, uh, excuse me, the, the work in between starts, limited to only 36 innings in 2021. So his development has really slowed down. So he's an A ball at 23 years old. He's older than uh, Cavalli, I think, and, and Brady House and Cole Henry, these other guys. So again, there's no race. It's not a clock, but you kind of look up and you go, if last if 2020 was normal, if 2021 was normal, he'd probably be in AAA right now, knocking on the door of the major leagues, but he's not. Has a lot of refining to do. You touched on it. Somebody that big, anybody, really, it, it, one of the hardest things to do is to repeat that delivery, but especially when you're an octopus walking on land, 6'8", and massive as he is, honing that skill set and finding a, a consistent third pitch for him to be a starter, I see him profiling out of the bullpen as well. Rearing back max effort, can probably touch 100, and he's reaching out and walking it to the plate with arms that long, you know, at six foot eight, and that slider's a wipeout pitch in the mid-80s. So we'll get into other factors, other players in the system as we go here over the coming days and weeks on the show, but that's kind of a, a look at some of the big boys who were drafted first, or in Henry's case, second round over the last three years and how they're faring. Uh, let's talk about the Major League Club for just a second before we get to our Cole Henry interview. Uh, first things first, Patrick Corbin, for the third consecutive start, was actually solid. Pretty good. And I'm not ready to say he's turned a corner, but Davey Martinez has claimed that he's back. His slider velocity, which you and I have monitored really closely over the last couple of years, has recovered some. I mean, he's throwing the slider harder. This was a big factor in a lot of people's minds analytically for what happened uh, to him over the last couple of years. His last three starts, Danny, 19 innings, just five earned runs, a 2.37 ERA. His fielding independent pitching, so you know what his ERA should be based on taking some uh, metrics out of the equation, like what he controls, is 2.5. So it means authentically... He's actually been a mid-twos earn-run average pitcher over these last three starts. Almost a strikeout per inning, 16 Ks in the 19 innings, and just 16 hits. And this is a guy who's given up more hits pretty much over the last yep. two-plus years than anyone in baseball. And his average against over these three starts has been 216. So I actually had one of my guys who's a big stats guy look this up. And he told me, based on I said, hey, find me the last time Corbin's gone three starts like this with an ERA of 2.37 throwing the way that he has. I said I bet you it's been since 2019. Well, sure enough, June 26th to July 7th before the All-Star break, good Patrick Corbin of 2019 on the World Series year his first year in Washington was the last time he had three starts this effective. He didn't do it wow. in 20, didn't do it in 21, and obviously hadn't done it early this season. So, in his career, he did it twice in 19, he did it three times in 18. And then he hadn't done it before all the way back to 2015. So I'm not ready to claim victory on Patrick Corbin yet, but this is a really good sign that it's three in a row, which he hadn't been able to do. That's the right way to put it, I think. I, I'm cautiously opening up the door thinking maybe it has stopped raining at, for, for this point. This is massive for them because they're not going anywhere. I really believe that. They're not going anywhere without Patrick Corbin getting back to form and Steven Strasburg regaining form over the next couple of seasons. I'm not talking about this year. That's They're not a contender this season. But if you kind of squint, you look at what you're talking about, guys like Cavalli, Cole Henry, uh, Josiah Gray, Joanna Doan, and then you know you add in some supplemental pieces, you could start to see the winnings of a first or, or the makings of a first division staff. That's not going to happen without these two guys that make an enormous amount of money in Corbin and Strasburg regaining form. Strasburg, health, Corbin being hittable 
And these last three starts, he's been pretty damn good in, in that regard. The strikeout numbers aren't eye-popping, which is kind of what he was known for, bearing that slider. But when it's sharp and effective, everything works off of that, right? Because you're so afraid of it when it's really biting in that way that that 92-93 plays up to the upper 90s. It just It's an uncomfortable at-bat when he's right, and guys haven't been very uncomfortable over the last couple of seasons. So that's a very good sign. You can't have 10 good starts in your last three starts. His last three starts have been good. That's all I'm counting this to, to this point because my sample size of basically a couple calendar years has been gruesome, to be frank with you. He has not been very good at all. And, and as you said, the most one of the most hit pitchers in the sport. That hasn't been the case lately. Cautiously optimistic is how I'd phrase it. Yeah, and I would also tell you that the advanced metrics, if I could say that, don't bode well for him right now. Like, I'm a big fan of looking at percentiles and where you rank among your peers, baseball savant provides. Everything's blue. And the way they do this is mm. it's, it's a it's a sliding scale where if you're above 50, it's like a tinge of red. And the hotter you get toward 100th percentile, best in the league, yeah. it becomes redder and redder and redder. And then as you go down from 50, it's like a, you know, a little, like almost like a sky all the way down to like just dark, dark blue. Just like, the blue man group over ex- there. Exactly. Yeah. I'm blue, da boo dee, da boo da, da boo dee, da boo da. And that song is Patrick Corbin on Baseball yep. Savant. So just to give you percentiles of where he ranks among pitchers this year in baseball, average exit velocity, 33rd percentile. Hard hit percentage, 21st percentile. X Woba, 18th. X ERA, so expected and run average, 18th. Expected batting average, 12th percentile. Ooh. Uh, expected slug, 26th. Barrel percentage, 39th. Uh, strikeout percentage, 34th. Walk percentage, 27th. I mean, you, you, just, you can't find anything here that's like, oh, that's great. His spin rate on his fastball, 14th percentile. So it doesn't really sustain. You can't throw that at the top of the zone. That was a problem for him. Yes, it was. He was trying to throw at the top of the zone. I'm sure someone in the R&D department said, hey, bro, hey, your bruh. spin rate on your fastball is worse than 86 out of every 100 pitchers in the big leagues. You pitching at the top of the zone doesn't help you any. So, like, all those things are working against him. But that takes into account, it's early in the season, it's a small sample, a lot of the pre-last three start stuff. Now, I'm not saying he's flipped a switch, but this is now worth tracking, worth monitoring, and it gives me a little bit of hope. Uh, I wanted to talk Juan Soto for a second. There's a lot being made about Soto's, I'm using quotes here, but struggles early this year. Because he's hitting 257 and his OPS is only 863. Which, by the way, a lot of hitters would give their left arm for, and then they'd never get to hit again, I guess, because mm-hmm. you only have one arm. Or could you hit with one arm? If you, uh, Johnny Damon hit a home run one time without one arm, like a one arm swing. Yeah, like that. like you re- reached out and was fooled, but he still got out of there. Yeah. yeah, but could you hit effectively with one arm? No, no, like not not even a little bit. Like if you made contact, it'd be miraculous. So if the bad guy from that Harrison Ford movie, the fugitive, fugitive yeah, was in the big leagues, what would his batting average be? Uh, it might it might have one tick in a hit column, okay. maybe like a squibbler, like a Steve Miserak Massey that went between three fielders. So I saw this from Matt Wyrick, our buddy from NBC Sports Washington. Mm-hmm. He tweeted this out. I thought this was a great nugget. So he was comparing Soto for thirty games in after last night, uh, which was the Tuesday night game. Tuesday what? night game against the Mets, yeah, uh, against the Mets, first game of the series. He said Soto this year two fifty seven, last year two seventy nine, so he is twenty two points lower. But it's on base right now, 396, higher than it was 30 games in last year, 392. His slug right now, 468, higher than it was last year at this time, 423. Last year, right now, he had an 815 OPS. This year, he's got an 863. And I would guarantee the big league average OPS has gone down. So it's even more impressive than just jumping from 815 to 863 because I think the 
average hitters has a lower OPS now, if you look at the league. Point being, he finished the runner-up for NL MVP last year after he started worse, basically, offensively than he started now, other than the batting average. He's going to be okay. Everybody relax. If he does this all year, he's still going to be one of the top 20 hitters in the National League. You know, 15, depending on the metrics you're looking at. But he's not going to. He's going to get on a tear. He's going to go 10 for 17 at the plate at some point. Next thing you know, his average is 15 points higher. And he's right where you want him to be going into another hot stretch. So I'm not worried. On a 1 to 10 scale, 10 means, oh, my God, sound the alarms. Juan Soto, what happened? I am a 0.1. Yeah, if I have to be on the scale, I'm a 1, I suppose. But um, Kevin Franzen pointed this out last night on the telecast. Was actually oh, Franny, hey, buddy, old act, pal. Actually, the AB where Soto poked that ball through the left side for a for a you know a hit against the shift. Um, there was some spinoff there. There's a pitch middle in that when he's right, upper deck, thanks so much, round the bases, play bust and loose. Hit bust and loose baseball. Um, but he spun off. You could see that front shoulder flies out. He's pulling across the plate instead of through. And you'll see him when he takes his, you know, his swings in between pitches and all the work he's putting in is on getting through the ball, through the ball, through the ball. And he's coming across the ball right now trying to generate extra pop, whether that's a mental thing, whether that's just sort of a, a bad habit at this stage, whether he's trying to do too much. There's a trillion reasons behind it. It could just be something he's fallen into. As soon as he gets locked in, and he reacts to that pitch in and is sitting, letting the ball travel, get deep. I mean, you look at his spray chart right now when it comes to home runs. He's usually 50-50 to the left of center field or to the right of center field. And then, of course, center field's involved there as well. I think he's only got one oppo home run out of his six to the point this year. That's going to change. He's going to sit back and punish people for trying to go uh, onto the outer third against him because he's so good at letting the ball travel in his stance. Right now, he's not. Right now, he's trying to pull things. Right now, he's spinning off. That will absolutely get fixed. He'll get locked in. He's going to be an MVP candidate. One more guy we got to talk about is Nelson Cruz. I'm much more concerned about him, almost solely because of his age, to be honest with you. Because I don't really do the early season guys not hitting a lot of ground balls. Like When they have a track record, you're going to get to your baseball card. But he's 41, man. Mm -hmm. He's going to be 42 this season. At some point, you run into that wall, and you got to start wondering... End of last year wasn't great for him. Right. This year's start has been not good. Is his age an issue? Is is this catching up to him? I mean, obviously, his sprint speed, is he didn't sign <laughs> him for that, right? Right. He's not going to beat out hits. you got to barrel him. Now, his barrel percentage is 54th percentile in baseball. Hard hit percentage, 63rd percentile. Maximum exit velocity, so when he gets a hold of it, he's 92nd percentile. He can still do... What he wants to with the bat, average exit velocity, 56 percentile, a little above average. But it's so many ground balls, some rally-killing double plays and weak contact. Uh, I am much more concerned about him. The goal for bringing him in here, obviously, was never to, to have him lead you to a World Series this year. It was to get him off to a decent start so you could flip him for something valuable in your system in a trade. And at some point, you got to get him going if you're going to be able to do that. So... You know, time's ticking here. I, I'm I'm a little worried because of uh, that 41 year old profile. Career low fly ball percentage for a guy that's here to hit fly balls. Career high ground ball percentage outside of a cup of coffee in 2005 his rookie year. And again, those those just they can't turn into hits for him. Yeah, I mean, unless they grow eyes and they get through, or you hit it hard enough on the ground, like those are outs, man. Yep, lowest line drive percentage since 2006 for him. I mean, again, this this is as you said a slow start, but now you kind of go, well, wait a minute, second half of last year. Older player, you hope that he hasn't kind of gone off the cliff here, and that the the Nats weren't the, weren't the weren't the team that ultimately are holding the bag. 
I do think he gets right, but I don't know how right. I, he'll, he'll be better. Those numbers will kind of equalize, and he'll start hitting the ball in the air, and the weather gets warmer. Some of those will carry to home runs. But I wonder how much he has. It, it is a fair question, I think. All right, episode two of our brand-new podcast, Bustin' Loose Baseball, continues with interview number two. And the guy we wanted to talk to was Cole Henry, double-A pitching prospect with your Nationals.